Hi, everybody. Hi, guys. From Salt Lake City, Utah. It's Thank God I'm Atheist. The podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm sitting in for Frank, who is sick. I'm Rachel. You are Rachel. Good. We got your name in and everything. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. Sorry, Frank's sick. But coming up on today's show, we'll, uh, we don't need him. We don't oh, need no. Frank. Frank who? Right? Well, that's, that's true. Most people actually don't know his last name. <laughs> Most of our listeners. It's Feldman, by the way. I just yeah. outed Frank. He's, he's not here. He can't defend himself. I can say whatever I want about him. You should give everybody his address. <laughs> send him a get well card. Right, right. Or, or a, a, a bomb or whatever threat that we would get. The I, internet's a scary place. It is a scary place. Uh, anyway, coming up on today's show, we're going to talk. Uh, we've got you here, Rachel. You're a woman, right? I am. So, I, you know, I I wish more people would notice that about me. <laughs> Your womanliness? Yeah. I, I, maybe people just don't bring it up because they, they're maybe, afraid that maybe they just can't. I'll be insulted. But I'm, a, I'm happy to talk about it. Okay. Well, it's, how about this? We're going to talk about uh, you uh, being growing up in the LDS church uh, as a woman. Oh, okay. We got, uh, Frank and I talk a lot about what it's like to be, you know, Mormon, Mm -hmm. but neither of us. More man. More, oh, more man than you, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) But we we don't ever get around to the whole, uh, to the whole, uh, woman's perspective on that. So we'll, we'll get to that uh, later in the show. In the meantime, do you have a story you want to tell us? I do. I have been following this story about an op-ed that was published in the HuffPo recently, uh, written by Zoltan Izdvan. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Oh, well, we all know about him or her. (laughs) I assume that's him. He is actually, you should know about Zoltan because he's running for president as a futurist okay um and uh sorry a futurist and author for the transhumanist party oh which is a very old tradition founded in october of last year oh okay i was gonna say i haven't heard of the transunionist transunionist or trans sorry humanist i don't know why i was wanting to say transunion that's that's a credit reporting company. Is oh that's right. I always thought maybe it was a train. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things. But transhumanism sounds fun. It sounds it sounds like you get to not be human anymore. Yeah, like you transcend right. that condition. Or like you're you're yeah. It's like if you're transgender, then you change genders. If you're transhuman, what do you, you change? And then you become a you know monkey or something <laughs> anyway go maybe ahead. the way they describe themselves though is an american political organization dedicated to putting science health and technology at the forefront of the united states of united states politics oh, okay i like that yeah sounds good right yeah sounds good but something tells me you're about to ruin it for me well the the um op-ed that he wrote the title is Oh, I thought I had the title right here. But <laughs> what he's what he's proposing is to uh, make it so that atheists don't have to go through security lines at the airport. Oh. oh, okay. Oh, here's the title. It is or is it time for fast track atheist security checks at airports? <laughs> so wait, what is his argument on this? Well, he's saying that he's traveling a lot right now because. 
candidate he's running for president yeah and uh he he's been having to stand in line quite a bit as you do as you do traveling yeah uh, and he was talking about his frustration being in, in these security check lines. And he makes this note that there's a man in front of him in a turban and, and a Muslim woman with her head covered. And then a Catholic priest with a flowy robe where, you know, who knows what's hidden underneath. And uh, he makes this argument that as an atheist, he isn't a fundamentalist and uh, he should be exempt from, I see. from these... I see. Yeah, These, that um, totally makes sense. We are all a hundred percent safe. Right. Every every atheist uh, in the world on the mm-hmm. planet mm-hmm. is one hundred percent totally safe. We shouldn't have any troubles. Right. <laughs> Although I do have to say, if his objection is flowy clothes, it should probably be required that atheists have to wear like skin tight, like you know, skinny jeans. Or I well yeah I was thinking like those those suits like a, like a bobsledder's suit oh, okay. or something like that okay. we have to wear all uh, no caftans no yeah exactly none of that crap I do love a caftan yeah in this weather yeah it's hot yeah it's what my Andrea loves caftans um yeah well he he does make one other interesting point which is um that. He thinks that uh, creating a no-weight line would be interesting (laughs) because, um, I'll just read a little bit from the article, the recent Pew Research Center study shows notable drops in formal religious beliefs. So ultimately, such a fast-track line would force wishy-washy believers or those who are religiously (laughs) apathetic to write off their faiths and God in the name of not wanting to wait in long lines. Wow. Well, I mean, at least he's just coming out and admitting it. Like, I, this is our new recruitment. Well, get off the fence. I don't. I don't want to, <laughs> you know, quibble with him. But I see a small problem in the logic. Really? Which? How is that possible? Is if there's somebody who is a terrorist and happy to blow up a plane, for instance, wouldn't they be? fine with saying they're an atheist with denying their god on the no maybe i'm not understanding the way that that all works (laughs) the the way that fundamentalism works right they can blow people up but they can't deny their god it's against their rules they have a code yeah you know what i mean yeah that's true i I, I wasn't thinking i think uh not only is the tasa definitely going to grab onto this Mm -hmm. this is very this is good stuff but he he's (laughs) clearly got Really good shot at, at the presidency. Oh, yeah, actually, you you say that, and I was just going to say my favorite part of the article. Um, one more quote. One of the main reasons I'm running for U.S. president is to try to create policies for this country that simply make more sense. In this case, <laughs> the unproven necessity for airport security checks for atheists. So make me president, and I'll make my demographic box wait in shorter lines. Right. Which, which I mean, let's face it, all president, all candidates for all uh, offices do that. They just don't explicitly say that they're doing that. I guess you have a point. So, hey, at least he's honest. I There has been an official response from American Atheists. Oh, oh okay. To this uh, post, which <laughs> is that uh, this is from Nick Fish, the National Program Director of American Atheists. Sure. 
Uh, American atheists oppose any action by the government that treats people differently on the basis of religion. The principle of equality under the law is at the core of our work. Just as we oppose giving people special treatment because they believe in God, we oppose giving special treatment to those who don't believe in God. Right. So, not you, you never know it. when a when an atheist is going to blow up a plane full of believers. That could happen. I mean, it's not likely. It's not likely. You know, and there I, was that guy that shot that shot those people back east. Uh, the 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 Muslims. Yeah, not and that long ago. Nope. I think happen. I think where he's coming from, and I think we all have this thought sometimes, which is just you look around and you think, if everyone was just like me, <laughs> this would be fine. The world would be such a better place. We, we would, wouldn't have to be doing this. We, we, it's solved. Just yeah. everyone be like me. Yeah, I've never shot anybody in my life. I mean, there was that one guy, but he had it coming. <laughs> well, right. I've never shot anybody, but I also recognize that if everyone were just like me, no one would be developing apps. For <laughs> well, there's and that. that I, I appreciate that there are those. Yes, indeed. That's true. I'm going to move on. Uh, Pope Francis uh, is in the news recently, or as one Fox News commentator called him, the most dangerous person on the planet. What? Which fox person? Uh, who was that? Why would you ask me that? I don't know. Uh, Greg, <laughs> Gut, Greg Gutfeld <laughs> uh, was the guy that said that, a pundit on, on the, the faux news. And he, what he's concerned about is that, is that uh, the Pope has come out with a, a new uh, pamphlet. Well, they don't call it a pamphlet. They call it a, what do they call it? God. Anyway, uh, I will say that word a little later when I find it on my page. But he came out with a new thing that basically said climate change is real. Humans caused it. And uh, and uh, that's a big deal for him to say that. That is a big deal. Yeah. A uh, lot of conservatives very up in arms about this. Encyclical. That's what it's called. It's encyclical. an encyclical. Uh, strange that I wouldn't remember that. Anyway, he, call, he, he, he said that uh, with... He said that uh, humans are causing this, and basically his solution, and this might also rankle a couple of people, is that they is the the real the root cause of the problem is commercialism and capitalism, meaning people are buying too much crap, and uh, companies are after too much profit, and they don't care about the world and you know what they're pumping up into it. They just care about that bottom line. That Pope is a terrible capitalist. He's like the worst. Well, he's clearly now he's an anti-capitalist. Mm -hmm. That's not very good for capitalists. No. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of business people who probably are not very happy about the Pope right now. Yeah. It's uh, still that's I think that's awesome. Yeah. It's kind of amazing, really. I mean, uh, he's uh, he's he's no small shakes. The really the really fun thing is to watch and see if any CEOs or you know big corporate leaders who happen to be Catholic will hear will will pay attention to a word he wrote because it does seem to me like they really like capitalism. Yeah, <laughs> but you got a lot. I think there there are a lot of uh, Catholic CEOs and and wealthy folks. 
And they've they've got to be responsible to those shareholders. Well, God's not a shareholder. <laughs> yeah, if God would start buying some stock, maybe yeah. he could have maybe he could have a say. Or that's what <laughs> this is on? what we need to do. We need to buy a lot of stock on behalf of baby seals. <laughs> and the baby seal consortium the baby seal consortium has yes. uh has some major play. They've 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 bought a significant share of Apple. Yeah. Uh they uh-huh. they really like uh They fit- really need BP. They were big oh that's true. That's a good idea. They were big on the Fitbit IPO. <laughs> they were bet. they were huge in that. <laughs> Uh, also, also the, uh, the, the white rhinos were really big into that as well. Oh, I can see that. They couldn't track all their little steps, their <laughs> tiny little steps. Yeah. Those guys run fast, actually. White rhinos. Hmm. They're very quick, agile for being the size of a tank. Anyway, uh, that's interesting. He came out with that. Apparently he is, uh, he is. He, uh, he has solidarity with the ecumenical patriarch Bartholomew, who's the leader of the Orthodox Christian Church uh, and a longtime advocate of environmental protection. So that's kind of cool. Oh, that is cool. Uh, I, what's amazing about this is that, you know, you've got two centralized leaders of major world religions together over a billion people are supposed to do what they say. And they're not gonna. It's just not gonna happen. There will be no change because of this. I like the idea of this shift in in philosophy, though, because mm. I was hearing this on the radio from a different source today, and just the idea that that caring about the environment can be... It's not something that you don't have to care about if you think that the second coming is coming, <laughs> you know, right, like those right. are not, uh, at odds necessarily. Like you, you can care about God's creation if that's what you think of it as. And, and right. Um, I've always thought that, that was, I mean, so, so the argument I always heard was that, that God gave us humans dominion over the earth and right. so we can use it as we want to. And like if you want to like big ball of toilet paper, just, you know, throw darts into monkey's eyeballs or whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you can do whatever you want to do. They're, they're there for you. But I think, I, I mean, it, it always baffled me because you, you do know you got to live here, right? You, yeah. you, you do know that like, this is the onlyest planet we got. Right. We, we, so far we have not developed the technology to leave. No. Uh, in any real way. No. So. And the moon landings were faked, so we can't we can't even do that. Right. Obviously. Um he also he connected it strangely with abortion. I just this is just a side note, but I just wanted to point out he that that maybe to make it more palatable to conservative uh Catholics, or maybe just because he's obsessed with it or whatever, he said, quote, concern for the protection of nature is also incompatible with the justification of abortion. Uh, how can we genuinely teach the importance of concern for other vulnerable beings, however troublesome or inconvenient they may be, if we fail to protect a human embryo, hmm. which is also trouble, troublesome and inconvenient? Right. Those embryos. It's the it's the inner nature. We've got to <laughs> protect. The... Yeah. But I mean, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's basically saying if you're against abortion, you have to protect the earth. 
I'm not sure that his logic necessarily follows, but it is an interesting indictment for, yeah. for the believers. It kind of sounds like throwing them a bone, like, I'm still Catholic. Right, yeah. Don't, don't worry. I'm still ca- Also, no condoms. <laughs> if, you, if you believe in condoms, then you hate the environment, too. So Because litter. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> You think you you think that it, did those just come out of nowhere? No, somebody had to cut down a tree to get that rubber. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? All right, what do you got? Well, speaking of abortions, oh, I thought I was hoping you were going to say thinking of speaking of condoms, but <laughs> abortions is good. Let's go with abortions. Um, actually, that's not a perfect segue, but I I did have a remembrance for Ann Gaylor, who just passed away this past Sunday, June fourteenth. I'm going to point out that was a really bad segue. Speaking of abortions, and then we go to. <laughs> I I already said I it's know. not perfect. I'm just I'm just gonna. You want to beat me up about it just a little give more? Give you a little bit of shit for it. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, Ann Gaylor in the seventies uh, was an abortions rights activist. Oh, okay. So the, it did it did there, wind around. I yeah, gotcha. If, if you let me. I just, get there. I thought you were going to talk about how she has now aborted off of this mortal <laughs> coil. I was like, mm, I don't know about that. Okay, anyway, sorry. Abortion's right to activist. Yeah. I like that. Much better. All right. She I'm actually, the asshole. She wrote a book called Abortion is a Blessing. Oh, yeah. And uh, once declared uh, that she wants to live... Oh, wait. It, in the kind of world I want to live in, all children would be wanted. But uh, I, I really thought it was going to go to all children will be aborted. But that's <laughs> I'm very glad that it went in another direction. On that. Although probably would be not bad for the environment if, if we just if we just killed ourselves off. off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. it's much better for the environment not to have humans. That's for sure. Yeah, we're we're an invasive species. <laughs> it's true. Um, OK, so her her work on abortions, abortion rights actually led her to become um, involved in the atheist movement. Um, Actually, I guess I shouldn't actually say she's an atheist because I don't know if it actually says that in this article. I'm looking at an article from the New York Times. Mm. Uh, But it did did lead her in the late 70s to become a principal founder of our favorite group, the Freedom From Religion Foundation. The Fufurf. The Fufurf, yes. Um, She says in this that uh, there was a quote. Sorry, I'm discombobulated with all the abortion talk. (laughs) That'll get you. That'll get you every time. Oh, anyway, she was basically saying that this this group was just a couple of people and they needed to come up with a name so that people would take them seriously. So so they came up with the Fufferf and uh, they ended up keeping it. Yeah. And they, they've done a lot of good work. I'm I'm happy that we have the Fufferf. I am, too. I think they have done a lot of good work. I would quibble with the name. Maybe it, yeah. it, it seems a little. A li- I, I'm guessing they've, it, it's it's a little more aggressive than they probably would want now that they've become an actual big organization and stuff. Right. Well, what she said about it was that she's never liked euphemisms. Oh, okay. Well, it's definitely not beating around the bush. No. That's for sure. No. And she passed away? Is that... Is that... She did. She was 88. Oh. And uh, she's done a lot of really good work. And I just thought we should make mention of her passing well she's in a better place now 
Yep. That's not true. <laughs> I have no evidence to support that. Okay. I just went along with it because I thought, okay, okay. It's your I, show. I guess so. <laughs> well, uh, sayonara to her, and, and thanks for all the, uh, the good work you did. Thank you for that, uh, Rachel. I'm going to move on to Ramadan is upon us. Or we are upon Ramadan. That sounds fun. <laughs> it's just a lot of Ramadan Nadan. Ramadan Malingdong. Uh I, I came across an interesting thing. I, I a thought that had never occurred to me. Now the whole thing about Ramadan is that uh for a lunar month, I believe it's a lunar month, I don't think it's a whole month, but for a lunar month, uh Muslims are to fast during daylight hours. Right? You, yeah, I think so. The, the, the sun goes down. Right, right. And, and then, then you're supposed to have a feast. Well, you feast at the end of Ramadan. You you can eat after the sun goes down and you can eat before the sun comes up. But but, but yeah, it's not a big meal. The the big feast is is at the end of the month and then you have your your celebratory uh meal. Um but I one of the thoughts that I had never that hadn't ever occurred to me and I now that I see it it's it's a very clear thing. Uh, some Muslims are less screwed by this than others. Hmm. Islam sort of came out of a, a, a fairly tropical area, like zone on, on the earth. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, so like, you know, if you're in uh, Saudi Arabia, you're, you're, clo- you're fairly close to the equator. You're reasonably close to the equator. So your daylight hours aren't going to be a big deal. But in the summertime... If you're in Iceland, your daylight hours are 22 hours. Oh, yeah. You've only got two hours of time that you can eat if you're a Muslim. (laughs) In Stockholm, Sweden, it's 20 hours and 17 minutes. Like, you're screwed. Yeah. It it had never even occurred to me. Toronto, even, you've got 17 hours of daylight. That's, That's a long time to go without eating. Whereas if you're in uh, Punta Arenas, Chile, you only got nine hours, nine nine hours and 45 minutes. That's not so bad. Yeah, you can do that. So everyone should move to there. Right, right. Or Mecca is 14 hours. Uh, oh, almost 15 hours. Sorry. New York City, 16 and 16 and uh, three quarters. So, uh, but yeah, the further away you get from that equator... The closer you get to a pole, the more screwed you are as a Muslim during Ramadan. <laughs> I can't, that's funny. I've never thought about that. I, yeah, it never even occurred to me. But I know that there's a big there's there there's plenty of Muslims in like Sweden and stuff, so they're just fucked. That's pretty funny to me. Anyway, <laughs> just thought I'd uh, report that uh, if you're if you're planning on converting to Islam, uh, move to tropical climes. And that will save you during Ramadan. Yeah, that's our that's our our Muslim uh, public service announcement of the day. It's a good recommendation. The more you know. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> All right, what do you got? Okay, I have just a little piece that I caught about some letters written by Albert Einstein hmm. that were auctioned off last week. Okay, uh, there were twenty-seven letters. Not sold in a block, sold separately to okay. auction goers uh-huh. last week. Uh, I think the total of the sale was about uh, a little under half a million. Wow. Um, and he, he, they span 
some time. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I think that one of the interesting things that came out of the letters is that he does talk a bit about God in them. Mm. And I, I saw a couple articles that said things like Einstein was not an atheist and Einstein definitely believed in God. And I thought, oh, well, that's interesting because that is not what I've typically read. Right. Um, but of course, you know, his he had a long life. He I'm did sure have a long he... life. I've, I see now going into this, I'll, I, 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 I'm interested to find out what came of these letters. But I I have read depending on the source that he was absolutely a believer and that he was absolutely not a believer. And it just seemed to be a completely polarized issue based on who was saying it. Right. So, so what did he himself have to say? Well, in, in this article, they quote two of the letters. Okay. uh, This one is uh, from, Oh, I guess there's no date. But uh, the quote is, I have repeatedly said that, in my opinion, the idea of a personal God is a childlike one. You may call me agnostic, but I do not share the crusading spirit of the professional atheist. I prefer an attitude of humility corresponding to the weakness of our intellectual understanding of nature and our own being. Wait, Um, this guy, because the the headline that I saw that I didn't click on mm -hmm. said... Letters show that he wasn't an, an atheist. Well, the name the, or, of this, or that he believed in God. Right. And the title of this article is Albert Einstein is not an atheist. <laughs> well, he's not anything anymore. He's well, dead. He he is dead. It's true. Um, but, I mean, he literally comes out and says, I'm agnostic, and they're going to run with, ha-ha, he wasn't an atheist. Well, and and the, the funny <laughs> thing about this is that there's there's the qualifying word. I I do not share this crusading spirit of the professional atheist. Right. Which kind of, to me, my interpretation of that is, you know, he's not a, a, what we would maybe call a new atheist. Right. Or a a firebrand atheist. He's he's not Richard Dawkins. Right. Um, of course. (laughs) But. Because he he was a biologist. (laughs) He's a biologist. (laughs) Right. As opposed to a physicist. Um, but. I don't I don't get from this that 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 means he believed in God. No. The other quote in here says from the viewpoint of a Jesuit priest I am of course and have always been an atheist. It is always misleading to use anthropomorphical concepts in dealing with these outside of the human sphere childish analogies. Um I'm not sure if I read that exactly correctly. But um But wait he just said, I am an atheist. Right. But he must have not meant that because the title of the article says Albert Einstein is not an atheist. <laughs> what the fuck? I, I do know. not understand what it, what what's happening here. Either do I, but I and I, I would really like to be <laughs> I would love to be able to read all of the letters. Yeah. But the what I came away with just reading the couple of articles that I did find is that okay, if this is what they have because they quoted just similar things. Right. Um, it's like that feeling you get when you see a trailer for a new movie that's coming out <laughs> and it's so bad and you think, okay, if that's the best that they have, right? right. Then the whole movie probably. If, and I mean, if, that, that, if they've cobbled together the best parts, if they're right. trying to tantalize us into going to this thing, right? And that's all they came up with. 
Right. So if they're trying to convince us with the one quote that they could come the closest from these letters <laughs> that Albert Einstein was not an atheist, it didn't work for me, especially the part where he said, I am and have always been an atheist. Right, right. <laughs> or the part where he said the belief in a personal God is what? Childish? Isn't that childish? Childlike? Child something? Oh, uh, the idea of a personal God is a childlike one. <laughs> Well, I'm sure that the believers take great comfort in that thought. <laughs> Checkmate, atheists. Yeah, they got us. They got us, everybody. Well, I'm going to close this out on the news thing with uh, a, a little ho- close to home business. Ooh, I like close to a home. little here, Salt Lake area, mm-hmm. and uh, and Orem, uh, Utah, which is just you know 30 miles south of Salt Lake, or so. 40? So, yeah, that sounds right. 35, somewhere in that range. Uh, some new billboards have gone up in town. Really? And normally, normally, Frank and I have come out on many occasions and said that we hate atheist billboards. Some of them are bad. Many of them have been very, very bad. Mm-hmm. And in my, some of them, not all, some of them have been counterproductive, in my personal opinion. These ones... Are not atheist billboards, technically. Technically, I don't know that you can call them that. Uh, they were put up by Facebook God. Uh, Facebook God is... Uh, there's a Facebook account called God. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's some stuff. It's adorable. It's these little cartoon, uh, little uh, drawn images of God and, and uh, sort of pithy ways to take believers to task mm-hmm. uh, through, through God himself. If Facebook God pokes you, do you die? Or do you come to life? <laughs> do you finally live? Yes. Poke me, God. You get more likes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Facebook God has a lot of followers. Anyway, Facebook God, uh, last September, did a uh, a, a thing, uh, raised $80,000 online and put up a billboard right next to the Westboro Baptist Church in mm. Kansas. Sounds like uh, a good place. Uh, and now he has struck our fair Utah. Yay! Uh, in Orem, he, there's two billboards that have gone up, one in Orem, one in Salt Lake City, uh, both saying, God loves gays. Oh. Uh, with a with a really cute like cartoon picture of Facebook God and like a rainbow. Mm-hmm. It's so it's it's great. I absolutely adore. I was just trying. I was picturing to see where you were going to go with that, and I was picturing um, Michelangelo's God reaching out to David, <laughs> and that was like all I was picturing. But with the title, God loves gays. God loves gays. That one. <laughs> that actually, one in particular. God loves that gay. <laughs> A lot, because he is hot. Come here, big boy. Yow. <laughs> Come up to this cloud. God does love gays, though. I, I So anyway, uh, there has been... Uh, what's great is that... So what you want to hear is uh, is like response, right? You want, you want to... To get the uh, yeah. the Mormon response, but well, I imagine they kind of were thinking that when they put it up, right, right. But, but unfortunately, like uh, Mormons are passive aggressive. There's not going to be that much response. I mean, if you go to like comment sections on the Salt Lake Tribune article mm-hmm. or whatever, you're going to get a few people, but mostly it's just like, you know, more boring and sad than anything. Oh, so. Don't don't expect a lot from Mormons. You won't hear anything from the LDS Church about it or whatever. But it's there, and and I can assure you, and I'm sure Rachel, you can assure our listeners, mm-hmm. 
it's bugging the shit out of people. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Like your parents, <laughs> when they came up last weekend, had to drive past it on the way home. Uh huh. That can't. Oh, that can't I, be good. I need to ask them if they've noticed it. <laughs> See what they think. Yeah, yeah. Get get back to us on that. Okay. All right, well, if you want to join this conversation, uh, dear listener, you can definitely do so. You can uh, write to us, podcast at thankgodimatheist.com. You can call in and, uh, and, and let your voice be heard uh, with our voicemail. That's uh, area code 424-666-TGIA. That's 424-666-8442. Uh, you can go to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Atheist, or go to the super secret fun and amazing facebook group uh the tgia members only lounge you're gonna have to search that in the search field on facebook i can attest to the fun and amazingness yeah that's right you're on there Mm -hmm. you uh you you participate i do in the lounge uh so yeah go to that um right now we're gonna hear from one of our favorites it's one mr pat robertson patrick j robertson the third uh, that's not really his name. I was going to say, what nope. does Jay stand for? Uh, his name is not even Pat, <laughs> actually. No, that's true. I, it's not. Oh, I forgot that. Yeah. Uh, so we'll, we will, uh, we'll, uh, he had something to say <laughs> about uh, a personal, uh, you know, a, a home de- decorating. Art, art collection. An art collection. Thank you. Yes. Who says, a friend went on vacation to Greece and brought me an alabaster sculpture of the ancient Greek goddess of the hunt, Diana Artemis. Is having this in my heart, in my house, considered having other gods? If it's another god, can I sell it or should I destroy it? And is there a specific way to destroy it? When my friend gave it to me, she told me it was a fertility goddess. Both she and I were going through in vitro at the time. Um, I think a statue of Diana the Huntress is. The question was, was that thing used in, in occult activity? Does it have demonic power associated with it, or is it just a good-looking statue? Only you know that. I, don't, I can't give you the answer. If it's part of an occult ritual, then by all means destroy it. Uh, if it's just a, a beautiful ornament, I mean, you know, don't worry about it. <laughs> it's adorable. Did, I mean, <laughs> only you can know if it was used in... Occult rituals. But he wasn't listening. She said it's a gift. Well, she so needs... she doesn't... How would she know <laughs> she... about its prior history? She has to listen to it. <laughs> Ask it. Ask it questions. Hey. Hey, Diana. Are you, uh... You're not one of them occult Dianas, are you? <laughs> you're just a regular one, or what are you? I love that the first question is, can I sell it? <laughs> <laughs> do, do I have to destroy it? I mean, it's kind of valuable, and I could, I, I could make five bucks or so off yeah, this thing. I could. I I need new shoes. I I need a. I, I want a new purse. Can I? <laughs> can I trade? Would that be okay? I think that since she doesn't know the history of the the object, mm. she should go ahead and just use it. Mm. Get pregnant <laughs> and then and then destroy it and, and repent ma- and repent. Mm-hmm. I mean that's the whole that's the whole gimmick, right? Mm-hmm. If you repent, you're in great shape. Yeah. Well, okay. That's we have solved this lady's problem. <laughs> Why is she not listening to our show? Why is she writing into Robertson? He doesn't know what he's talking about. Or he just does, or just put it on Craigslist. <laughs> there should be a, a a religious 
oh, I'm sure there's a religious Craigslist. Oh, probably. The second I said it, I was like, oh, what is it called? Jesus's list? I don't know. I haven't heard of this. Now I'm wondering if there's an occult list. Ooh, yeah. That'd be good. Objects used. Satan's list. <laughs> you just... I have some uh, some uh, candles and a pentagram for sale. They, used dead goat. They don't fit in my new apartment, so I just need to get rid of them. $15 OBO. <laughs> Oh, well, we had some folks write into the show. Um, Lauren wrote into us and said, hi, Frank and Dan. Well, it's uh, we'll just presume that she meant, she, if she had known, she would have said hi to you, too. Oh, I appreciate she's that. Not, she's not rude. She's a, she's a very polite person. Lauren it, I'm, I'm fine. Okay. Thanks for checking in. <laughs> uh, she says, on the topic of genders in dorms. Now, I'm going to uh, give some background before we dive into this, which is that, uh, for those listeners who don't remember this, uh, Frank and I talked about uh, gender as a concept. We had talked about a, uh, a a university in India that was accepting, uh, was allowing people to put that they were male, female, or transgender slash uh, third gender on their little application thing. And w- then we went into a whole big, long diatribe about how we thought it would be fine to have we thought, you know, you're not solving any problems by genderizing dorms because there's still going to be gay people. Like, you're not preventing sex from happening or whatever. Uh, and we went into this whole thing. Uh, and Lauren ha- makes a good point. She says, on the topic of commingled genders in dorms, you're understandably thinking about this as a male. Remember, one in four women are sexually assaulted and assault rates are higher on college campuses uh, slash college towns than in other locations. Dorms are typically built uh, with bedrooms and a central common bathroom. Even ignoring the impact of drugs and alcohol, women in a dorm situation are vulnerable in common hallways and common bathrooms. They may be uh, tired during a late night, groggy in the morning, or otherwise simply have their guard down because they are, quote, at home. Um, And then she says in parentheses, I believe that women should never be made to feel unsafe or need to have their guard up. Uh, But that's not how life works in America. Uh, as an as a woman being inside my own home or a close friend's home is the only time I can feel I can completely relax. Uh, she says she goes on by mixing dorms. Potential attackers are given easier access to victims, either because they themselves live in the room next door or because it, it's easier to get in slash out slash around a co-ed building without drawing attention. The preference or practice of single-gender dorms isn't just to limit fun, sexy time. It's a byproduct of a fucked-up rape culture that isn't going away anytime soon. Uh, Yeah, we skipped that thought entirely in our discussion. So uh, uh, thanks for pointing that out. So what what do you think about this? Because I am still... What I think is is problematic here is... is, um, is not the concept of commingling or or cohabitation. It's the concept of a culture that that has pro, have, has problematic uh, uh, systems in place. And I feel like if you fix the culture, then there then you can have co you know multi all gender dorms uh, without. I mean, you're going to have incidents, but you're going to have incidents no matter what. But I, I've definitely heard of a lot of of places where they've done this, where they have uh, integrated dorms 
uh, with great success. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, in ter- when you say correcting the system, are you talking in terms of of making transgender people feeling? No, I'm I'm talking about correcting the the rape culture. So I'm talking oh. about I'm talking about you know. Really, really hitting the education component, making sure that everybody knows that uh, every you know that what is and isn't rape. Making sure that that the the boys know that they you know if she's drunk you can't have sex with her. If she's this, you can't have sex with her. And just sort of increasing awareness, and then enlisting the good men, the men who would never dream of raping, to be part of the solution. You know, I, I don't know all the, I, I, I haven't studied this, so I'm not going to act like I know anything about it, right. but it seems like there are places where they have, uh, de- established a cultural norm that has made, uh, 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 non-gendered dorms safe and acceptable. Right. Well, and I, I haven't studied either. I, my college experience, I was in a, a, a woman's dorm and mm-hmm. there were a lot of common areas where you would. There were, there was commingling, um, and I see the point about safety, and this is an issue that's been in the news a lot this past year. Yeah, um, and I think that a lot of really good conversations are coming out of that. I think what you're saying about these conversations, I think, um, when we were teenagers, mm-hmm. like the idea of of uh, getting girls drunk <laughs> that was, was like how you had sex yeah that wasn't what it is now I, re- I mean obviously i don't mean it wasn't what it is but it's it, that wasn't a conversation you had right about, no about that gray area it's not a gray area i'm getting myself in trouble with the feminists well no i mean it's, <laughs> this is the problem right this is this it, i don't know how to talk about this none I'm, of I'm us not do prepared. that's well that's what makes this so hard i don't mean to put you on the spot but i mean this is what this is what's tough about this is that we're finally transitioning into a point where we're actually right talking in a useful way about this problem right and well i i guess that's what i mean is that that when i was in college there were gray areas that weren't talked about because we thought of them as gray areas. Right. Now, the more we talk about it, the more that it's it, we've come to this place where now we say yes means yes. Right. Not no means no. And I I think that's that's a much uh, a safer approach for everyone. It's an important distinction. Yeah. And only yes means yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it's a it's a. It's a different world. It's a changing world. But like you say, like when I was growing up, all the movies were about like, how can I get her drunk enough that I can sleep with her? Right. And like, that was the thing. That was what you did. That's how you convinced a girl to take off her clothes. How is she going to do it if you're, if she's not drunk? It's not, it can't even happen. Right. So, uh, so yeah, things are changing. They are. Uh, but, but, uh, that's a good point that you, that Lauren made. Yeah. Uh, Elena, or Elena, or however she says her name, wrote in, Hi, Frank and Dan. I had to laugh when in the last episode of your podcast, probably not the last episode now because we had Frank go away for a week. And now we've got Frank on on for another week. Mm -hmm. Mm. He got sick on his trip. Uh, Anyway, uh, you talked about Abercrombie and their policies and uh, how much their stores permeate the air. Frank and I had talked about, about... Abercrombie and Fitch. There was a there was a recent ruling where a an, a, a, oh, uh-huh. a Muslim woman uh, was it was ruled that she should be allowed to wear her headscarf 
if she works at Abercrombie and Fitch. Right. Which they were like, no, because it doesn't fit our look. Um, but our, but Frank and my main complaint was just how smelly those goddamn stores are. They're <laughs> they just are. awful. And They're you can't, awful. you can't even go anywhere near the entrance. Like if you're across no. the street, you can still smell it. Uh, Elena writes, uh, I'm a graphic designer for Victoria's Secret, which is based in Columbus, Ohio. This is also where, uh, Abercrombie and Fitch's home offices are. We, uh, we actually got a lo- get a lot of defectors from A&F because they c- couldn't handle the company's culture at the home office. For example, that same smell that you detest so much is pumped through the air system in the home office. No. At- also, the same horrible music played at horrible decibel levels is also playing at the same level in the offices. Everyone is expected to wear flip-flops at all times, and in Ohio it gets fucking cold. And they also must wear only Abercrombie clothes that are currently in season and no black or purple. Wow. I could understand a lot of this stuff for those that work in the stores. There's a certain image to uphold. But for someone who sits behind a computer all day, uh, granted, the C- since, granted, since the CEO resigned, some of these policies may have changed. I know that they're all trying to change direction in their designs and whatnot due to poor sales. Still don't think they could pay me enough to work there. I, I, that has nothing to do with our show, but I just wanted to get that out into the world. That's that crazy. There's a place in the world where if you work in their office, you have to wear their clothes and you have to smell that god awful smell. I wonder if they each have to have a moose head in their cubicle. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, yeah. So many moose have died. I feel like, I wonder, I wonder if, like, if you have abs that are of a certain level of goodness, mm-hmm. do you, I think men should have to be shirtless in the office. Oh. That's their look, right? Who decides the goodness, the level of goodness? Uh, a, a panel of uh, the women <laughs> and gay men. <laughs> There's a panel. Uh, it's a it's a very coveted position within the company to be on the shirtless on decision. On the ab panel. On the ab panel. <laughs> What if, what if a guy had like super hot abs, but like kind of saggy boobs? Oh, does he have to take his shirt off or not? I think I think you end up with like some sort of rating system where you subtract points in one area. <laughs> okay, right. Yeah, maybe you have a talent. Or he, or he has too. like super great abs and pecs, but like way a lot of back hair. Oh yeah, that's that'd, that'd be a thing. That can be fixed. It's true. It's true. Uh, Anthony writes: I'm a former Christian. And became an atheist maybe a year ago. I wanted to spark a discussion on the fear and vilification of knowledge in religions. I remember just a few years ago I would try to discredit and was scared whenever a discovery was made contradicting my belief. A specific example is when my family and I were watching a show on RNA. I was scared. I immediately tried to disregard and discredit the discovery after the narrator said that this is a major supporting factor in the theory of evolution. I now find this appalling. I can't believe I was so scared of this, especially because I'm now an atheist. I'd like your opinion on this matter. Sincerely, Anthony. Mm-hmm. I, it's, I mean, that's a, it's the thing, right? That's the, such, that's the big frustration is when you're talking to a, a believer and they won't look a fact in the eye. They just right. can't. They can't bring themselves to. It's terrifying. But I mean, that's the thing. It's a uh, belief isn't just like religious belief. That's what's so maddening about religious belief is that it's not based on facts and no. evidence. 
No. It's based on other things. It's so a, it's a feeling. It's a burning in the bosom. Mm-hmm. As we say in Mormonism. We do say that in Mormonism. It's true. So, like, yeah, if your bosom's burning, and uh, but the facts aren't supporting it, it's it's not just an attack. Like, it sucks. I mean, atheists do the same thing. Let's let's be honest. If you have a, a heartfelt belief about gun control or you know circumcision or whatever else topics have blown up on the in the members only lounge, right? Uh, it's hard to have those any beliefs attacked, but when those beliefs are like part of your identity as a human that's that's a bigger deal that's scary it's It's, scary to have that challenge yeah it's it's like you know if evidence came out that all short brunettes were awful you you wouldn't like that i i i don't know maybe i have some self-loathing issues (laughs) i could just you're like oh that's true i would say i agree (laughs) Uh uh-huh scientific (laughs) evidence i don't have to be worried anymore I don't have to feel bad. <laughs> I had a suspicion that I was awful. <laughs> <laughs> um, we had some donors that I need to thank. Um, uh, first, I'll go through our, our the donors on uh, uh, PayPal. Um, Rebecca gave us a one-time donation. Very, very nice. Uh, she said, thank you, Frank and Dan, for the podcast, for the informative discussions you have together, for your charismatic personality, and for the chemistry you both have in hosting the show together. <laughs> Ironic that I'm reading this on a show when that chemistry is not able to be no. demonstrated. But there you go. Thank you very much for that, uh, Rebecca. Frank is now a uh, monthly subscriber, uh, uh, as is Elizabeth. So thank you both very much for your generosity in that thing. And on our uh, Joyride, um, what do you call it? campaign we have a joy we have a campaign on joyride uh uh trying to trying to raise funds uh david liz and heather are all new subscribers on joyride so we thank you very much uh, all of you for your support um and if you guys want to support us also uh you can just go to the thank god i'm atheist page and uh, go to the right-hand side of the page, which is the uh, – there's a, a thing that says Joyride on it. Just click on that, and you can go and, you know, help out with the show. So, moving on from that. Yes. Uh, you were a Mormon once. I was a very long time ago. Seems like a past life. It does seem like a past <laughs> life. Someone in the uh, Members Only Lounge posted a Confucius uh, – quote that said everyone lives two lives one the 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 second life begins when you realize you only have one life mm-hmm. that's a that's a very ooh. yeah one of those <laughs> when you say someone posted that do you mean you posted that no i i posted it then i i then stole it and posted it on my personal page <laughs> I was but gonna say that I'm, was a weird thing for you to say <laughs> no 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 i'm i'm giving credit where it's due at least on the show apparently not uh on facebook, not on facebook. but you know that's all right i gave credit to confucius that's true so that's the thing anyway uh so on, in that former life, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just wanted to talk to you about about being a a, a girl in Mormonism. Girl. Well, I had I had kind of a unique situation oh. in a couple of ways. One is that I I was growing up in 
Utah County, which is the Mormonist of the the counties. Yeah, it's a it's um, a treat down there, right? Down the Provo Orem area, right? Um, but then on the other end, um, my my mother uh, was, and to most extent, still is uh, a good Mormon lady. Mm. But my my dad um, is what's known as a Jack Mormon, mm. uh, which just basically means that he believes some of it. He doesn't necessarily do any of it. Ah. And all the while growing up, he he didn't go to church, and and um, we <laughs> we had kind of a a difficult situation there because. Everybody knew my dad didn't go to church. <laughs> they knew he drank coffee. The other little girls in the ward weren't allowed to come play at my house. Really? <laughs> yes. Wow. Because what if they got some coffee? What if they what if they accidentally smelled coffee and they <laughs> yes. they realized that it's like one of the most glorious smells it on the planet? Smells good. I remember when I was growing up, I had a Jewish friend mm-hmm. and I'd go over to their house and it was just like, "What is that?" <laughs> What is that smell? <laughs> and then the first time I tried coffee, I was like, ah, what, no, that because it's like this sort of very it's a bitter watered yeah. down version of that robust, beautiful smell. Yeah, it doesn't that there. It's not a perfect lineup. But now I love it. Now I love it. But yeah. it took me a second. Anyway. OK, so you had coffee in the house. Yeah, we had coffee and no friends. And no friends. <laughs> This is, I mean, this is what I'm getting at, right? It's the cultural thing of Mormonism, like cultural Mormonism, especially when there's a lot of Mormons all together in the same place, right? becomes freaky. Well, and it's that thing of, um, in any area, you've got to have someone that's not in the group. Otherwise you don't have a group. Mm. So the least Mormon. <laughs> so when there are no when, non-Mormons around, right. they have to pick on you. The least Mormon is the one that's... <laughs> That can go sit at a different table. Oh, <laughs> oh, sad little Rachel. I know. <laughs> I did, so, did you notice as you were as you were growing up a difference between the treatment of boys and girls or of men and women? Yeah, definitely. And and they they divide up the the boys and girls um, at what we would call tween age. Now mm. we didn't have tweens then, but. <laughs> we, we, that word did not exist. <laughs> yes. But um, for a while, all the kids are in the same, what we call primary group, and then they split them out, and boys get the priesthood. What, at 12? Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, from then on, you're you're divided, and you're learning your different roles in, right. in, in the church. And how was that explained to you? Like, what what, what messaging did you get about uh, about boys getting magic powers and girls what do girls get? Right. Well, you know, this may surprise you, but I remember asking point blank in my <laughs> in my um, primary school classes why. I don't understand why boys get the priesthood and, and girls don't. And um, Such a girl question. I know. <laughs> I, I, I look back on it and I picture myself as Lisa Simpson. Like I'm a cartoon. <laughs> and everybody else is like a little girl, but I'm a cartoon. <laughs> and <laughs> we were being taught by a, a missionary at that point. That mm. was, and that four missionaries in Utah County. What are you even going to do with your time? Prepare lessons for little girls, apparently. <laughs> Especially that one with the questions. Uh-huh. 
So basically the the answer that I got was boys get the priesthood and women have babies. That's your magic power. Yeah, your magic power is having babies. It's like, you know, a wildly dis- uncomfortable uh, event. Right. Uh, to the, to the point of pain, mm-hmm. you know, and plus a preceding nine or so months of discomfort, and then uh, you, you get to clean and cook and be covered in poop and, for a yeah. long, long time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, and I actually brought up there was a woman in our ward who um, an award is just like a a, a, di- a, a it's a a, sm- a single congregation. Yeah, sorry, thank you for. Uh, I'm just going to translate for, for, translating. Our, for the Mormon impaired. Um, so there was one woman in our ward who was single and um, her name, her first name was gay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I remember asking, well, what about, I'm not going to say her last name, but sister yay, uh-huh. you know, she doesn't have kids and. Like what is her role? And and they they said, well, she's she's an inspiration to the rest of us. That's her job is to inspire. And what if what if Sister Gay is boring and not inspirational at all? Then what? She's inspiring us with her loneliness. Oh, then. she's inspiring you to go out and get yourself a man. Yes. <laughs> or you'll end up like Sister Gay. You, nobody wants to end up like Sister Gay. She's sad and pathetic and maybe gay looking back on it oh okay i hadn't thought about it at the time there you go but sister lesbian mm-hmm. we'll call her that well I, I you know it's so funny being a boy of course everything seemed to make perfect sense to me right like of course i should get the magic powers i'm the chosen one i'm i mean god put this penis on me for some reason <laughs> i'm not sure <laughs> obviously it's to get powers. Right. But uh but I I just can't imagine what it would have been like to see that happen from your perspective. Well, I mean that's that's kind of one part of it. I mean that's like the most blatant part of it. Right. The, the other thing that I remember um is just not um, and my parents were were great at about just telling us to i mean we were expected to work hard in school and there was never a question about whether or not any of us would go to college mm. the the other girls that i knew though were just never encouraged to to explore their potential um i they were ex- encouraged to explore their womb's potential yeah and and a lot of girls that i knew i knew a girl who's who's who told me this is um what she told me that her father wasn't going to waste money on sending her to college. Right. Because why? She'll get a husband. Yeah. He'll have enough college for the both of them. Exactly. That's the point. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. And I was surrounded by that. And the, I mean this, when I was graduating from high school and people were figuring out what they were going to do next. And a lot of the girls were just like, okay, got time to meet a man. And it wow. was 1995. Like, it it had like this weird fifties feel. Yeah. In terms of I got news for you. Utah County has a weird fifties feel. It does have a weird fifties feel. Downright step forty and it's probably partly the poodle skirts. They should probably They get should rid of the really yeah. Skirts. I mean the Bobby Socks went out a while ago. <laughs> they can let go of it. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's I, you know, and on the one hand, it's it's sad because there were so many. I just knew so many great girls who just who needed a little encouragement to um to to go out and figure out who they were, right? And, and they didn't get it, and and I think that having, I mean, like I said, my parents were were very supportive, but having other people around me telling me that I, I wasn't supposed to be doing what I was doing just kind of made me go, Oh, well, I'll, I'll show you. <laughs> I'm going to oh, go to the you, university of Utah. That's the heathen school. <laughs> you little rebel. You You didn't even go to BYU. No. <laughs> I was such a rebel. I moved a the, whole four, 30 miles away. Oh, wow. <laughs> There's a joke that uh, women who go to BYU are, are there to get there. Either there's two degrees that are very popular. The MOM, Mm-hmm. Or the MRS. Yes. Those are the, that's, that's the, they're yeah. there to get their husbands. But you can't get an MOM before you get your MRS. That, no, no, that's no. That's a prerequisite. That was, yes, exactly. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's just so weird. And, and Utah County Mormon women, like, and this is, this is true in, in society in general, but you have no idea the, the depth to which this goes in Utah County where women are expected to, uh, to smile. All the time. Oh yeah, and to accommodate and be happy. There's. Did you did you feel that? I did, and I have I have um, a condition that we another thing we didn't have a name for then, but I now know is called resting bitch face. <laughs> <laughs> so that wasn't good for me either. Yeah. So here's. I mean, one of the things that I've actually like had to sort of wrap my head around. Like, I've seen the resting bitch face thing went around the Facebook and everybody Mm -hmm. was, like, joking and whatever. And I suddenly realized, yeah, but if this were – but even that joke, if it were about guys, they're just serious. Right. If we were talking about me and I had what we would call resting bitch face – we would call you contemplative, or just you know, he's a serious guy. He just stoic. Yeah, Mm -hmm. all the all you know, all of these good qualities Mm -hmm. we would associate with it. But when a woman isn't doesn't have a smile when her face is just sort of at rest, mm-hmm. oh, might be a bitch. <laughs> that chick might be a bitch. <laughs> Why is she so bitchy? Hey, smile. Why are you so bitchy all the time? Yeah, it's a it's a huge weird double standard that plays out. Sort of, it's writ so large down there. Yeah, which is also why. Highest consumption of antidepressants in yes. the country. Yes. Utah County. Uh, and jello and ice cream. <laughs> that is true, too. And root beer, I think. And anything, anything to make you feel even the remotest bit happy about yeah. your life choices. Yeah. Although, I, you know, I do have, I have a, a primary tenant of my brand of feminism, which is... I never point to another woman, another woman's choices and say victim. Right. So as I'm grateful that I, I'm not living that life anymore, but I also don't want to be too, I don't, I don't, I'm not judgmental of the women that are there and and raising their kids in it. I just, there, and there are some women for whom that life is so happy. (laughs) There are some women and I know, I know a few for whom they have a truly genuinely happy life doing that. And then there are other women, and I know plenty of these, who are miserable, but say that they're having a happy life. Yeah. And it's just like, it's yeah. common. 
just come on. You can just you can just be honest about where you are and and be struggling, and that's okay. But they can't. No, you're not allowed to be. If you're struggling as a Mormon woman, uh, you're failing spiritually. Right. Right. Wouldn't you say that that's true? Right. It must be you don't have enough faith or or something. Yeah, there, it's something that you're doing because you've been given the perfect recipe to follow for a happy life. Right. So if you pulled your life out of the oven <laughs> and it's it's and flopping it, off to the side and the that souffle was has fallen, <laughs> that's your bad. <laughs> you have you didn't follow the instructions right. All right. And you need to, you know, get on your knees and pray to God some more. Right. And maybe please your husband while you're down there. <laughs> uh, well, okay. Uh, any 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 other anecdotes or fun stories that, that you can think of that you wanted to tell? Being a girl, being a Mormon. Oh well, we were we were talking earlier about um, getting baptized for the dead. Oh, you were saying right. You did that. Yeah. Uh, just to remind people, Baptist Mormons do this weird fun thing where they so go weird. they go to their temples. And they get baptized in proxy for dead people because those dead people uh, didn't get a chance to be Mormon yet. Right. So they're giving them that opportunity. To Either because they died before Mormonism came about or, or they weren't. geography. Right. It's a weird thing because the idea basically rests on on the notion that it's just the name that needs to be baptized. You don't have to have... Any relation to this person or... Right. You just need a name. Yeah. You are baptized for and in the name of... Joe so. Joe, Joe Smith. And yes. Probably not Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith would have been he. I think he, he got it done. He, he got it done in yeah. his time. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so what was your baptism for the dead experience? Well, I, I was... I'm going to say maybe 11 or 12. Oh, I would have had to have been 12. Uh-huh. Um, and we went down as like, this was a youth opportunity kind of group, mm. group or an opportunity activity. That's the word I meant to use. Yeah. Um, and we, the, what, what you would do, you can go and baptize members of your family mm -hmm. or you can go and, and just help them. You, you're a stand in as a body for these names that they've found somewhere. They just work through the list. They work through... I don't even know. How do they do that? They just generate them from a computer? They have one of the largest uh, databases of of, of uh, genealogy in the world. Ancestry.com had to make a deal with them just to be able to use their database because it's so massive. Okay. I guess we had computers in the 90s. <laughs> well, but they were doing it by hand before that. They just They just kept doing it. All right. Well, somehow they got these names. And the ones um, that they were doing the day that I was there were like really long, really hard to pronounce Polish names. <laughs> uh, oh, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So, so you can't wear any of your own clothes into the baptismal font. Right. Um, which is this giant... Hot tub. Hot tub. And it, I, don't, I assume they're all the same. Like, do Pretty you remember much. the oxen? Yeah. What are, what are the oxen for? They represent a thing. I don't okay. know. Well, if you're... There's if you're a, so, so the font is built on top. There are a bunch of, like, statues of oxen below the font. Right. It looks like a punch bowl being balanced on several oxen. Cows. Yeah, cows walking in different directions. Right. If you can possibly. If they, if they actually move, that thing's falling down. Yeah. Right. Anyway. <laughs> so, so 
we get there, we've got to change. You can't wear any of your own clothes. So they, so in addition to this, um, jumpsuit that they give you, which covers from neck to wrist to ankles, all white, all white nylon. Um, they also give you underwear and it's, it's all used temple underwear. They wash it. Right. But still it's alarming. It's alarming. I remember, I remember, like, I was so excited to go to Baptism for the Dead, and then they're like, and here's your temple issue underwear yeah. that's used. Yeah. And I was like, um, wait, what? Yeah, I was not expecting that. I was horrified. And I, um, at 12 or 13, I was an early bloomer. Uh-huh. And as Dan mentioned earlier, I'm a brunette. <laughs> So I really wanted to just not wear the scary um, recycled underwear, but I didn't want to get into this baptismal font with the the missionary boy who's like 19-ish wearing a white nylon suit that's going to be see-through as soon as I get wet. And clingy. And clingy when we're supposed to be thinking about God and, and dead people and... Everyone is just staring at my bush. Yeah, not a good thing. No. Yeah, I mean, the whole, that experience for girls is, I mean, because it, those things, those, those jumpsuits do get clingy. Yeah. And, uh, and there's a, all pubescent. Yeah. And there's a bunch of like old men mm-hmm. sort of all gathered around to help perform the ceremony. Right. And, and it has to be a, priesthood holder that does the actual baptizing right and he's just you know right there staring at you yeah i i have a friend we actually have a mutual friend who was gay mm-hmm. who when he went through it was all he could do not to have a boner oh because there's all these guys and they're clingy things and his, of course he was just like <laughs> yeah unfair to do to a teenage gay boy right yeah so that was a, it was a weird experience and um very uncomfortable and I didn't think about God much. No. Cuz I was too self-conscious. No. Also there's a guy trying to drown you like also, yeah. over and over and over again. And it's taking forever cuz no one can pronounce the names <laughs> and you have to get it exactly right or they have to do it all over again. Right. I baptize you for in the name of Yanuz and meanwhile, I'm trying to hold my breath because at any second now I'm going to go under. <laughs> the, the moment I I can't hold it anymore, that's when they're going to dunk me. Totally. Yeah. I got lucky. I literally my half of mine didn't even have last names. They were all let. They were all like like Spanish names. So it was all like I baptize you foreign in the name of Jose Splash. I baptize yeah. you foreign in the name of Juan Splash. I was like, how does he know which one we're talking yeah. about? That just sounds like they ran out of names and they're covering their bases. <laughs> they're just like, we'll just baptize that. Well, that's what they should do is just baptize in the name of and then just say really common names. All the Davids baptize oh, yeah. you for it in the name of every single David splash and M- Margaret. We'll just do all of the Margaret's. Right. Splash. Well, and of course, we haven't even mentioned how controversial this this tradition is. Because oh, yeah. They they baptize holocaust victims and yeah so they don't yeah. do they don't do they've stopped doing that now yeah but they intend to do it at some point yeah like the whole idea is that they have to get through everybody who's ever lived right and the millennium after the, after jesus comes will be for 
finishing up the temple work. I heard they baptized Elvis. People were really upset about that. Oh, they baptized all of the famous people. Like many times over, back before it was all computerized and everything. Oh, because that's fun. Because that's fun. Who doesn't want to be the one that's baptized for Hitler? (laughs) I saved Hitler! (laughs) Oh, God. That's terrible. Yeah. Anyway. Who uh, let you in? Yeah, right? <laughs> Wait, why? Okay, I guess we got to do everybody. We'll just do Hitler. And Goebbels. No, you get one. You get one Nazi. Now you have to do 12 Jews. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh boy! Well, if you guys would like to chime into this conversation and uh, and and uh, you know talk about your experiences being a a, a person in religion of a gender, uh, you can write to us podcast at thankgodimatheist dot com uh, or call in uh, and let us hear your beautiful voice. Uh, the f- number for the voicemail is four two four six 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 eight four four two. Go to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash TGI Atheist, and like us. And then, you know, like and share things that Mackenzie puts up there because she works hard and it's uh, it's a good thing. And uh, and go to the, the TGIA Members Only Lounge also on Facebook. That's a closed group. Nobody will know that it's about atheism unless you tell them. Uh, thanks to Mackenzie for all of her hard work uh, on, on the Facebook page. Thanks also uh, to... Uh, the Red Rock Hot Club for the use of their fun zippy music. I love those guys. I do too. Great stuff. And thank you, Rachel, for uh, for filling in. Oh, you're so welcome. We uh, we uh, I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And I'm sure Frank does too, but he can't tell you because he doesn't have a voice right now. Oh. And thank you, dear listener, for listening to yet another episode. We sure do uh, pr- appreciate everything you do. Uh, so. Have a great week, everybody. Feel better, Frank. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.